Welcome in to another edition of the Reason Radio. Fantastic edition is awaiting you here. Uh, I am Nick Arthur, alongside my my good friend Evan Shamblin. Evan, how's your Monday treating you? Monday's great, man. A lot of sunshine. It's been a good day. Looking forward to looking forward to doing this podcast. You, you sound really excited. Um, let Let's not waste any time. You know, let's let's get straight into it. Within the last couple hours, actually. Um, we did have some information coming out. The NBA released a statement on what our opening topic is going to be, which is the Draymond Green situation. Um, the guy's back in the spotlight again. Another controversial play. This one in Game Four. Sorry, Game Three. Um, the other night, uh, Evan, you want to break down the play? You watched it live. I've watched the replay tons. Um, I've calculated up a bunch of Vine loops rewatching this, um, even though it's very painful to watch, but. Take us through what happened, and then we'll kind of go into the NBA statement from there. It was the uh, it was the nut shot hurt around the world. It was it was so this play was discussed all day. But to give a quick breakdown, Draymond Green was driving to the basket on Stephen Adams. Poor Stephen Adams. Um, they uh, they got tangled up, and a foul was called. And in order to quote unquote sell the foul, um, Draymond Green flailed and karate kicked. Stephen Adams right in the man region for uh, this is the second consecutive game that he has hit Adams in this region. Uh, The last time was a lot more uh, inconspicuous as he uh, caught him with a knee. But this one, uh, once they played the replay back, uh, got the fans in Oklahoma City and Channing kick him out because it looks like a, a blatant kick right, right to the, Right to Stephen Adams' man section. I mean, it looks painful. I cringed at home when I saw the replay. I imagine like many, many men did when they saw it. So that has been the debate of the day, um, has been whether to suspend Draymond for, for the kick. Um, and the reason this is so, uh, in my opinion, it's been such a controversial topic is because the, the night before, um, in garbage time, uh, Dante Jones, I know you haven't heard that name in a while, for the Cavaliers, Probably didn't know he's in the league because this is how I figured out he was in the league. He gave a uh, a friendly tap to uh, Bismack Biombo's midsection um, in the in the closing seconds of that game, and he got suspended for the next game. So they set a precedent the night before, and now they had Draymond Green kicking this guy. So the debate all day was was it on purpose? Was it unintentional? What was it? And uh, what what did the NBA end up saying it was, Nick? Well, I think that, you know, obviously it's, it's hard for us to describe exactly what happened. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, to explain through words without actually seeing it. I mean, I think we can assume that most people listening saw the video, and if they didn't, I mean, I, I would definitely advise you to go look at it. Um, it certainly looks like he loses the ball a little bit. Um, you know, it's something where, like, the ball's out of his hands, and then there's this awkward motion that happens after you know when he hasn't had the ball for probably a good a good second or two the ball's been out of his hand and then the leg decides to go up it wasn't like it was already moving that direction so it was an unorthodox little flail um yeah the big thing was i think the big the big wording the key wording here is it sure as hell didn't look like a basketball play like a natural basketball movement um I mean, Stephen Adams is a seven footer. You got to kick your leg up pretty daggone far to uh, hit him in the midsection, like he did. And it definitely did not look uh, look natural. And there was, like you mentioned, 
a slight pause between the ball being knocked out of his hands and um, and the leg coming up. So it's a really uh, really suspicious play. But did you, you, now you watched it live? Did when you yeah. saw it live? Did was your thought process? You know, oh man, that was intentional. I mean, I'm ta- I'm not talking no. play live. It didn't. You did not think it was intentional. No, I didn't. I didn't know what happened. The camera angle was on the other side of the court. Okay. And you had a couple big bodies in the way. So you just saw Adams fall to the ground. And, you know, Marv Howard's didn't even know what was going on. Marv Howard's got his – straight to the fact that uh, Adams' thumb has been hurting him. And then as soon as they hit the hit the replay, everybody knows – everybody in the world knew why Steven Adams was on the ground. So it, it was the different angle of the replay. The first replay is where you felt it because the uh, – that's where you could blatantly see it. But, no, not in live action. You actually really couldn't tell – from the angle the game was being shot at, that that has happened. Yeah, so, and, ju- and ju- as far as what the NBA has decided to do, like you said, there was kind of precedence that was set with the suspension in the Eastern Conference. And then here, yeah. what they've done is they have upgraded the flagrant one to a flagrant two with a $25,000 fine attached. But uh, obviously no suspension uh, will be will be coming for Draymond Green. Um, which leads me into my next thought here, okay? It, okay. And, I mean, we, we've said it before, um, you know, with possibly, you know, scheduling certain games at certain times with that Raptor series starting. Uh, clearly the NBA wants, and I'm not going to say needs, but they want the Warriors in the finals. They want Warriors caps. They want ratings. Um, any way that... I mean, ultimately, this suspension is decided by the head of officials, I'm sure. But anyway, his phone rang a little bit this morning. Um, you know, hey, man, maybe uh, maybe let this one slide uh, because, you know, without Draymond Green, this series probably swings 3-1 in Oklahoma City's favor and the likelihood of us getting Warriors-Cavs and, you know, goes down and we lose millions of dollars because of ratings. Any Any possibility that happened? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think no, – uh, Like, no doubt that happened. I don't think there was even a call. I don't. I think when that happened last night that Adam Silver already knew he wasn't going to suspend him. I mean, it's too big of a game, too much of an impact. People still talk about David Stern suspending Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw in 2007 when the Suns were at the – you know, their prime and they were in the playoffs and had a little scuffle and he, and he set down two guys and it impacted – you know, the outcome of a championship. So I don't think he was going to do that. He took a – I felt like he took a really easy stance with Dante Jones. Like, hey, this guy means absolutely nothing to the Cavs. Let's uh, let's punish him. And then the next night I just find it so funny that this happens. But I think it was easier for them to try to sell this as it was unintentional and that they were looking at, you know, intent rather than the actual action. So as far as your question is, do you think there was pressure? Yeah. And I don't think he, the pressure even got to him because I think he had already had the predetermined decision that he was going to he wasn't going to set Draymond Green. They need a good series. This playoffs have not been very good. They uh-huh. need a good series. I mean, he's there to make money. He's he's shown in every way that he's going to do, you know, kind of what's most popular and what's going to make him the most money, which is which is what he should do. Um, you know, from a business um, a business standpoint. So it is what it is. He. Yeah, I, I, I want. They just prolonged this all day, so the NBA would be the front story, 
and they would talk about this kick and the sus- potential suspension. They just kept us all at bay, but there was no way they were going to suspend them. I mean, absolutely no way. And I think most, um, most of the NBA guys who were not featured on some kind of show today, who are, are just like straight writers, said that there would be no way last night when it when it happened. But today it was just a talking point. So, yeah. The pressure does and you know exist. The, the NBA wants this swept under the rug as well. You know, if if obviously they're they're trying to make sure this guy's eligible for their ratings, you know, they don't want this to be in the middle of the storylines, right? Oh yeah. So when I mean, when yeah. and I mean again, I'm gonna probably assume that the NBA made its decision before the final whistle blew during the Thunder Warrior game last night. They knew. Oh yeah. So oh, why yeah. so why is the announcement not made until? 10 minutes before tip-off between the Cavs and Raptors. Yeah, so it's what I just said. So, so it's a talking point all No, no, day. no, 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 no. I, the announcement's made then, so it's buried. The last thing they want to happen is to announce it at 10 a.m. this morning, and then they face scrutiny all day from every show, from PTI to everything in between. So what I'm saying is they announce it 10 minutes before Cavs-Raptors, so the media doesn't even get a chance to scrutinize it as much because now the talking points tomorrow are going to be Cavs-Raptors re- recaps. You know what I mean? I think it was completely a PR move to sweep it under the rug. Um, you know, if you announce it this morning, then it's under it, it's getting fired at all day about how it's the wrong call. Um, yep. You announce it 10 minutes before Cavs-Raptors, I think it gets overlooked a little bit. That's a, that's a great point. And I also want to just say, I think it's just, you know, everybody today saying he should be suspended for one game. I, it, that's just such an easy stance. You know what I mean? Because you don't have to pull the guy out of the million-dollar business. You know what I mean? You just get to give your opinion that doesn't mean crap. Right. Ultimately. You know what I mean? It's not a decision. It's an opinion. And this guy had to make a decision. And the, I think the decision was a no-doubter that he was going to play. And honestly, I think – I mean, if you want to talk to the top competitors in the world, I think that the Thunder don't want – they don't want the – fact that Draymond Green being suspended and then they win this series for people to be able to bring that up at all. They want to punch the Warriors right in the mouth with Draymond Green standing right there. They want to go through him. They don't want him on the sidelines, even though what he did was, you know, I, I personally, I think it's intentional, but still, I don't think that, I think this is what the Thunder want to, honestly, like they don't want an easier path. They want to go through and they want to beat the champs at full strength. I think that's that's what's up. So, and I think that mindset has gotten them to this point. It's the reason they got past the Spurs. That yeah, you know, mentality. yeah. Let's switch gears here for a second because last night, for the first time, for the first time, I think if you you've listened to these podcasts and you've heard what I had to say about Thunder, I've never been a believer till last night. And you know what made me believe in them is just not not the not the run that put them up at halftime, but the way they came out and just put their foot. You know, they just clamped down and finished the Warriors. They didn't let that game get close at all because the Warriors can light it up. I mean, everybody knows that. And for the Thunder to come out there and just close it and basically keep it like a 35-point game the rest of the second half, I was really impressed. And this team isn't scared. But, you know, Westbrook and Durant, for as great as they've been, I think you have to look at Adams and Cantor as the reason they have a legit shot at winning a championship. I mean, those guys have developed so much, and they uh, they are taking away this you know lineup of death as they like to call it because Stevens Adams is a seven footer that can guard Draymond Green, 
he made Green look bad last night. As a team, yep. the the Thunder made Draymond Green look bad last night. Um, and I just think that for the first time looking at them last night, I'm like, this team is legit. Like, I never really thought of them, but they've been so stunted by injuries um, the last few years that you've never really been able to see it all together. And really, they've had a great string of health right here to bring it all together. And, you know, I can't – I personally, and I think like most sports fans, you look at – you look at what's going on in the game, and you really don't know how big of an impact the coach is having. But, I mean, Billy Donovan's having a great run here. So you have to give him something. He's mixing up the lineups, and every every button right now he's he's pushing seemed to work. So, yeah, hats off. I think you've been on them for a lot longer than I have. But last night was the first time I, I honestly felt like they could they could really win this series. Um and yeah, I'm I'm now a believer, a Thunder believer. I you guess know, you and it. and it's funny we sat here and we said not to ramble too on too much on you know about this series or anything, but we said a few months back on the podcast that we felt the Thunder were the most dangerous matchup for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also said that you know the only way we really see it possible would be if the Thunder got that um, the four seed in the East. And yep. the Warriors had to match up with them in the semis, and then wearing them down would lead to the Spurs potentially knocking off the Warriors. We thought that was the only scenario. Not <laughs> not the Thunder outlasting the Spurs and then getting a fresh Warriors team and taking them out. I mean, that to me, that's the most impressive part is, um, I mean, Portland made that a little bit of a series. Certainly don't want to discount what they did. But, you know, the Thunder definitely came in off a much more emotional strung out series, even though I believe it went six as well, um, than what the Warriors had gone through. If you Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I want to make a point that I heard today, and I never really thought of it like this. But, you know, this is the first healthy team that the Warriors have played in the last two playoffs, um, barring the first rounds. That's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, pieces have been missing from those teams um, that they've beaten the last. The healthiest team last year was probably the Rockets that they played. When they they actually beat Memphis, I think Conley missed a game, and he was slowed down by some facial injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, Memphis actually had a 2-1 lead on them, but, you know, they kind of figured out Memphis with the, you know, Tony Allen can't shoot. so you, then they moved on. They played the Rockets, and the Rockets were without Beverly, who is known for being, you know, a Curry. Uh, you know, he just liked to start stuff with Curry, and the Rockets were better last year. Um, so there they caught another one. And then obviously in the finals, no Kyrie and no Love. So I'm not trying to say, you know, we'll never look back and remember that in five years, but it is an interesting point that really this is the first healthy team they've gotten. Because this year they got, you know, a broken, a really a broken Rockets team that wasn't. The first round matchups are nothing for the for a team as good as the Warriors. So I'm looking like, you know, semifinals, conference finals, and obviously the finals. And then they got Portland, um, or then they they missed out on the Clippers, who were really supposed to be the formidable opponent to them because they got injured. And no offense to Portland, great, great season, but they're not going to beat them. The Clippers had a way better chance, so they avoided they avoided a bullet there, um, and now. Here they come up with the first team that's fully healthy and ready to go, and they got their hands full, man. They got their hands full. Do they have to win game four? Uh, they don't have to, but uh, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier. I'd, it's going to be it's hard. It's hard to imagine the Thunder losing three in a row. 
um, playing as good as this. But good point. Um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I it's for, they they're rattled, man. It was it's weird, and you know, I want to give the Thunder a bunch of credit, but and and they deserve a bunch. But I, I when you watch them, I mean, every both losses they've been just shooting the ball extremely quick, um, not really in the flow of their offense, and I think they're kind of beating themselves in that habit. But and then on the other end, their defense has just been terrible because their offense has been terrible. But do you do you just flatly see it as just the Thunder taking it, or do you see it as the Warriors really shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak? I, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I think this is a Warriors team that has just been has been told they're the best basketball team in the history of the NBA all year, um, and then this is really the first amount of adversity they they face. Um, I mean, what did they come out of the gate twenty four zero? Uh, I think they were 36 and two, you know, and I think you could probably argue that they probably peaked right around game, what, 50, 60, heck, mm-hmm. heck maybe that, you know, right when they won in overtime at Oklahoma city, um, that might've been the, their peak. And I think the thunder have certainly peaked right before the playoffs started, uh, maybe the last couple weeks down the stretch and have carried that right into the playoffs. But um, I think that you've got a team, the Warriors, that as crazy as it sounds, you know, they they sputtered in, barely got that um, 73 wins that they were looking for, um, had to win their last four just to get it, even though well, they hold were... on. I don't like it. You said barely. I mean, 73. Well, by one game. I mean, the, I'm but... saying the record, the record of most wins. Yeah, were, but 73 is a ridiculous number out of 82 games. I, yeah, mean, but I don't think you can say barely. But whenever you're 62 and 6, and then, you know, you lose 3, well, I mean, you get 11 and 3 down the stretch. That's, I don't know. I'm just looking at, like, the 36 and 2. And what, they were based, they were consistently two or three games ahead of pace all schedule. And they had to survive um, an overtime win at Utah. Um, there was another close one point win at Memphis down the stretch. They, you, you definitely have to agree losing two of their final six or whatever it was, they didn't play as well down the stretch as they did throughout the season. And they, and they kind of just began to show signs of vulnerability. You have to admit that. And they did, and they lost the game against the Rockets in the series. Correct. Yeah. And then they lost two against the trailblazers and, you know, and I think that you've you've got a combination of two things. They happening. only lost one against the Trailblazers, didn't they? I thought that they uh, no, they only lost one. They because only lost Curry, one. You're right. Curry came back in Game Four and absolutely lit them up in overtime, and then right. they won at home. So you're right. Okay, they lost one of each of those series. I just think even in their wins, um, you know, there was an overtime win in Portland, and even the last game in Golden State, they won by four. Um, they weren't blowing people out by 30. Curry was actually having to play the fourth quarter down the stretch, which was which was unheard of the first half of the season. So what I'm getting at is you've got a team that hasn't dealt with problems, with adversity, with getting down, um, going against a team who's playing as good as it's played all year with the most confidence it's had all year. And that recipe together, if I was a betting man, I would bet on the Thunder to win the series. Um, I'm not counting out the Warriors by any means, but – I just don't see them winning game four. And I don't see them mentally tough enough to come back from 3-1. Well, I can't blame you there. Uh, Just a quick note to wrap up. LeBron single-handedly pushed the Warriors to six games last year in the finals. 
Now you got two top five okay, players. Okay, okay. Give some credit to Mr. Deladova, why don't you? Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> Matthew Deladova. You're right. You're right. You're right. He's this. Yeah, I was just gonna say. You know, Durant and Westbrook is a is a better one two punch coming down the stretch um, than just having LeBron. So we expect stuff. Um, and this is a Deladova who has not scored since Game One of the Raptor series. Well, real quick about that Raptor series. Um, you know, Toronto went home in one Game Three. You know, I, that, whatever, you shrug your shoulders. You won the first game at home in a series. But now, you know, we currently are taping this on a, a Monday night during the game, and the Raptors are handing it to the Cavaliers again through the first half. So we might have a series. I mean, this series was proclaimed over after one after one game, really. So we have a, we have a little bit more of a series. I think, I think for no offense to the Raptors and, you know, the lovely people of Toronto, but please do not pull an upset here. Nobody wants to see that in the finals. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants to see. It. Just, I mean, it's nice, but I mean, I hope the Cavs get together because I'd rather the Cavs come in there rolling because that's the only chance they're going to have to beat whoever comes out of the West is they have to be rolling and hitting every three. But I don't know how much you want to talk about that series. Just right now, the the Rafters are could potentially tie it, but still, um, you, that would make it a best two out of three with two at home for the Cavs. So. I don't know how much you uh, you throw worry that way, but I am surprised that the Cavaliers did not come out in the first half and play better tonight. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not surprised by the fact that the Raptors have made this series competitive. Um, however, I am very surprised that they – game three was not a blowout, but they seemed to have control of that thing from start to finish. Um, they did. And then even tonight – you know, jumping out to a um, – I mean, they outscored the Cavs by 13 in the second quarter. They were up um, 16 at the half, and they're currently well, up 11. But, you know, they've right had control of this one, it seems like, throughout as well. Yeah, right before we jumped on here, I just saw that the Cavs scored 17 points in that second quarter, and Kyle Lowry put up 15 himself. Wow. So that just kind of looks at – you know, the Cavs have become that jump-shooting team. Um, and when they're, flying, when they're flying in at 60%, they look unbeatable. I'll give you that, but – when they don't go, you're starting to look like this, where you only put up 17 points in a quarter against, you know, kind of a broken warrior or a broken Raptors team. So, I don't know what kind of concern that gives you. We're gonna we're gonna roll into a new segment here, Evan. Okay. Um, little cliche, little cliche in the sense of, you know, every morning on your drive to work, you hear that radio show breaking down that weird news story of the week about the guy who tried to rob the McDonald's without his pants on and a flurry on his head. You know, that type of stuff that makes no sense, but. Um, anyway, I got a wild sports story for you here, okay? Okay. His name is Stein Hoff, okay? He's, he's Norwegian. Okay. And he's 70 years old. <laughs> and Stein is a very ambitious 70-year-old man. He set sail yesterday, okay, from New York City. On, I don't even know how you would describe this. I, okay, it, it's a rowboat. He is on a 24-foot-long <laughs> rowboat, and he left New York's North Cove Marina, um, attempting to row from New York City to London, which is about a 2,800-nautical-mile journey, depending on the current. Um, and he's attempting to do this in 90 days. Where does he pack his food? So, he's got some stuff on the rowboat. Apparently, the rowboat is um, powered through solar panels. 
Okay. For the sheer reason of him having a distress call option if he needs it. Um, so let me rephrase that. When he needs help, he can call for help because he has a phone that's powered through solar panels. Okay. Notice I said when, not if. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that it basically this hasn't been done since 1896. It, um, was it done by a 70 year old man then too? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> It's a tribute to two Norwegian-Americans, George Harbo and Gabriel Samuelson, who did it then. But they did it as a duo. And he basically said, you know what, um, I'm just going to do it by myself. So it's a complete solo strip. Did he, like, kiss his family goodbye? Because this could end up awful. Like, we may never – that could be the last time Stein floats off anywhere because this could end up awful. Ripley's <laughs> Believe It or Not, which I did not know still existed, is sponsoring the event. Um, okay, but yeah, um, he has a waterproof cabin, um, and it prevents it from capsizing. There's a GPS navigation equipment, a VHF radio, a water filtration system, I guess, for him using the restroom and small gas canisters for cooking. Nice. What's he going to be cooking out there? I mean, like he's going to be popping some beans. Yeah, some some bushes, baked beans, but man, I, uh, I don't know. I, this is, um, you know, I got to see this robo. This robo sounds amazing, <laughs> honestly. Like this, him this, and his this wife guy. are competitive rowers. Well, they were. So what, he was. Why is it? Why, why is his? Uh, why is his wife not hanging along with this? <laughs> you know, I mean, like <laughs> there have to be some marital issues, right? I, I mean, mean, she can. I mean, nobody could agree to this. I mean, you could literally be kissing his like death right here, like. I mean, he's a 70-year-old man, and he's trying to row to freaking London. I well, mean, that's the interesting part about it. So, you know, like whenever in like the 50s or whenever it was when the first person ran the sub four-minute mile. Okay. Uh, you know, it had never been done before, right? And yeah. then in like the next year, seven people did it or eight people did it. My, my, you know, numbers are a little bit off. So it's the idea that once you instill belief in people's mind, once they see that it's doable, all of a sudden they do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's the power of belief, right? Okay. This was done for the first time in 1896 and hasn't been done since. Yeah. So, that... so, so, you know, there are people who have been instilled with the idea of belief and have given it their best shot um, and um, has I'm not gonna, been done. I'm just going to go ahead and call, I mean – 1896. I'm going to call them frauds. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if they had the proper documentation. I mean, what eight? Imagine. I mean, it? imagine like the GPS navigation systems available to you then compared to now. Well, do you believe it? Do you believe it? I mean, I don't believe it. I do not believe it. I think they they caught on the back of a ship and rowed or got just <laughs> some help because I mean that is unbelievable. Because what happens if old Stein gets you know knocked around by some waves? The next thing you know, he's accidentally rowing towards Iceland. I well, he's got the navigation I, system, right? I mean, I, I'm not too versed on how those work, but I think those will keep him in line. Um, I just God, Stein has to have pecs of just steel. I'm looking at a just picture gonna... of him here, and he he looks like he's been doing some rowing, if you know what I mean. <laughs> he's a he's a strong man, um, but yeah, that, that's my crazy news story of the week. Um, okay, well, let's take bets. Ninety days when we do this again. Uh, you got you got money on Stein making it here? You know, I think this is going to be some breaking future news on the Reason Radio, okay? 
In, okay. in future news, Steinhoff is missing forever. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 he kind of took the words out of my mouth because I don't think this has a good ending to it. Um, either that or I give him till what, – what day did you say he set sail? Yesterday morning, actually. Okay, I will give him till Sunday of next week to uh No, to call come in. on. He, yeah. He'll <laughs> make it further than that. He'll make no. it past Bermuda. Um, it's – I just – man. That, Is Bermuda on the way? I think it's a little further south. Okay. <laughs> but it, it, it is like off like the Virginia, North Carolina area, uh, directly out that way on the Atlantic, I believe. Okay. Uh, it's a big triangle. Uh, Good. We're breaking down. Uh, this is what we wanted. You came here for sports, and we are breaking down some geography. <laughs> she didn't know what the Bermuda Triangle was. So anyway, I don't want our laughter to be misunderstood. Um, we're not in any way joking at a man's possible death. Um, I respect the heck out of him for doing it. But um, also, if you're 70 years old and you decide to, to row 300 miles across you gotta the Atlantic, you got to know the risk. You got to know the people on the Reason Radio might laugh a little bit. Um, you got to. And gotta, I think Stein I mean, is okay with that too. If Stein makes it, I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to have to have a shirt made in his. I mean, that just, you're right. I mean, I, we hope that he does not. Nothing does happen to him. But I, I honestly think he will call in. And uh, it obviously sounds like Ripley, believe it or not, has prepared him with the tools to serve for any kind of tragedy out there. But I do think he will be making that, that call. That's another thing. That cell phone's going to work from anywhere. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like a Verizon data plan, Evan. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think it's like an international phone that is connected to like you know. Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes not a I see phone. I see stuff like this, like where people like swim canals or straits, and like there's actually like a bigger boat or some kind of coast guard following them. Is anybody following him? No, no, it's a solo trip. It's a complete solo trip. And just to show how solo it is. His photo in like the media areas that was submitted is cur- mm-hmm. is courtesy of Steinhoff. So okay. he even took the picture himself of himself in nice. the rowboat and, and sent nice. it in. Um, Where did you find this story? The reason radio has its has its reason. It, it's it's all over the place. I, it's on USA Today. It's on Huffington Post. You well, just good look luck, up Stein. Steinhoff. Um, best of luck on the journey, Evan. Do you have anything to add this week? Are we we going to go with a shorter edition of the reason here? Uh, you know, I, I, I really, I'm kind of out. I was telling you before the show, I was like, the, the MLB's back to like doing what MLB does. There wasn't really anything exciting. Uh, and we do want to mention that there was kind of an amazing feat for the wrong reasons this week. Uh, Juan Carlos Stanton struck out 17 times in a 21 at bat stretch. That is, uh, <laughs> wow. that's kind of a, that's kind of amazing. I mean, that is a lot. That guy, he hits it. He can hit it to Mars. But the problem is, is he does not connect a lot. So um, I just thought that was kind of the amazing stat of the week. Uh, other than that, there wasn't. Uh, well, today uh, the Pirates and the and oh, Vogelsong got hit in the yeah. face of the line drive, huh? I mean, an absolute ninety-two mile per hour fastball caught the Pirates pitcher today, right in the face. The pictures of it, the still shots, because you can't really find a good, good replay of it, um, are just disgusting. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think safe to say, Nick, that that bone right underneath your eye shattered. I mean, it was it's one of the more disgusting pictures I've ever seen of like a still because his face literally where there should be bones looks like mush. Yep, it looks like garlic. It, it's disgusting. 
And I mean, we wish, I think everybody wishes the best for Ryan Vogelson, but that was definitely a scary moment and just, and just caught you completely, completely off guard. So other than that, I mean, I think baseball is just going to keep playing second fiddle just to fill time um, in all the, uh, in all the other segments, but there, there really wasn't much to mention on the, on the baseball front. Um, Bold prediction so no. from you here. Bold prediction from you. Okay. Next Monday is when the scheduled, if necessary, game seven is scheduled between the Thunder and Warriors. Oh, really? Will Will there still be a series? Yes. Okay. And I'm hoping. I mean, and, and for do you think there will be? I um, I do not. Because okay. I think if it makes it a game seven, Golden State's winning the series, and I don't think Golden State's winning the series. Okay. And for just for the sake of everybody, I think we all hope these games get a little closer. I mean, on, I mean, honestly, disappointing so far, these yes. first three games? Absolutely. I mean, they, they've been disappointing. In the first game, they played at like 120 at their peak. You get a kind of a crappy 108, 102 in the last two, just an absolutely massive blowout. I mean, I think for every sports fan, we hope for close games. But yeah, I hope to be. Uh, hope next week we'll talk about it. But next week, the Reason Radio—that's Memorial Day, so we're going to take this thing next Tuesday. When I'm Monday, aren't you out of town? Yeah, I might be back. Who knows? Unpredictable. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, let's, we're here uh, on the Reason Radio. Yeah, let's log off here. Let's uh, had a had a good uh, show, Evan. Appreciate your input. Good luck again to Stein. We'll be thinking about you this week. Um, Evan, thinks, Evan thinks you'll be done by Monday, but he still thinks the Warrior Thunder will still be playing. But anyway, yes, I think that series will last longer than Stein's <laughs> rowboat exhibition. So there we go. I'm now I'm going to be on Stein watch every day. Thank you for this. For the sake of humanity, I hope you're wrong. This has been the Reason Radio. <laughs>